right, let's pray and we'll get moving because I got a lot to get through in a short amount of time. Father God, I love you. Thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for uh, loving us, Lord. I thank you for really just uh, giving us purpose in life and, um, Lord, uh, just being the author and finisher of our faith, Lord. Um, we can come up with um, plans and goals and, and whatever we want to call them, Lord, but without uh, your guidance and your direction, we're really going to struggle with those things, Lord. So uh, I do pray you just speak to us today. Um, that you would uh, give us clarity uh, as we step into a new year. Uh, I know a lot of folks uh, are hoping for uh, a better year or uh, a change in their life. And uh, Lord, I do pray that um, they invite you along with those things. So uh, God, I do pray that um, you would just continue to knit the Passpoint class together uh, in 2021. Um, and I don't, I don't want to spend a lot of time on goals, but you would just really... Um, not even so much build us in numbers, but build us in depth, uh, Lord, and that we would draw closer to you. And uh, if, if that means that numbers grow, then that happens. But uh, God, I do pray that we would just draw closer to you, that um, we would remember the the amazing things that you did do in 2020. And uh, Lord, that you would just continue to get the honor and the glory from our lives. I pray you just speak to us today uh, from your word, and that you get the honor and the glory in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, uh, open up to the book of Nehemiah. And so this whole thing started, and I'm going to give you a quick backstory just to kind of get everybody caught up, and then I've got to, I've got to, like, we're not going to walk through this. We're going to run through this because there's, there's some stuff here. So um, back at the beginning of December, um, before Paige and I went on vacation, I kind of had a week to fill. And God had kind of been burdening my heart with this whole, we're wrapping up 2020 and, um, you know, everybody's kind of like, oh my gosh, 2020's been horrible, right? If you, if you get on Facebook or whatever, you would just think that the world ended, right? And well, for uh, a month or so, it kind of did. But, you know, we were all, you know, tied up to the house or, or whatever. But anyway, uh, it was just the fact that everybody was just like, we got to get this ever-loving year over so we can have this, this new beginning. And so so I just kind of wanted to take a little bit of time then and just point out that, you know, although it seemed not amazing at times, uh, we all had amazing things that happened in our lives, right? And so I don't want to go back and, and reteach that, but it was just the point of we need to make sure that we, and this is just kind of a, a, a Christian principle that we should have in our life. We need to make sure that we are uh, counting our blessings, right? The things that do happen that are well, we don't just uh, we don't uh, title our life with the bad things and and you know let the good things be a footnote or or whatever. And um, so it was just kind of that thought process. And so Paige and I and the family went on vacation and we came back. And so I had this idea that I would come back when, after Chris taught for a couple of weeks and I wanted to go over, I asked you to like make a list of some goals that you had or plans or goals. I don't even remember what I called them. Plans, goals, I don't, either way, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, some people call them resolutions, but things that you like wanted to change. And so I wanted to get into that last week, but I had a feeling in it was more of myself because I wasn't completely prepared for it, but um, that we weren't completely ready. And so it, it's going to bleed into today, but this whole mindset and really the whole passage that I kind of wanted to go to, to to circle this all up was in Nehemiah. And a lot of you have heard the story uh, in Nehemiah, and so I don't want to spend too much time there, but 
the, the point is, we walk into a new year and what's everybody do, right? I want to change this, 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 and this, right? Or I want to be different here. I want to do that, right? I'm going to lose uh, some weight. I'm going to start exercising, right? And generally what we do is, uh, you know, we don't lose much weight because the only exercise we get is running to the fridge, right? Or or whatever. And, you know, we have good intentions. Eat bigger sandwiches. Hey, <laughs> something, right? It just depends. No matter what it is, it, we generally lose focus. We have these good intentions. I'm going to be in the Word every day. I didn't do as well last year as I wanted to you know i'm gonna i'm gonna come up with a reading plan or or whatever it is you know and i'm gonna read through the bible in a year whatever you know and we always have good intentions but sometimes intentions don't equal results you know a lot of times in life and so the whole the whole thought process was how do we make the things that we say we're going to do for the lord stick Right? How do we? Because uh, it's hard. And so uh, here's what I've got for you today, and it's it's going to be the title's even kind of lengthy, but there's a lot I want to get to, and I really hope I can get through it because I'm really striving for the last point. I've just got to get through eight others to get there, so it's going to be quick. So I've got nine steps to a biblical plan. Nine steps to a biblical biblical plan. And then to make it more personal, and nine questions to ask yourself to make it successful in your life. So nine steps to a biblical plan. Don't heavy sigh at me. Nine steps to a biblical plan and nine questions to ask yourself to make it successful in your life. Right? And so uh, if you have your Bible, go to the book of Nehemiah. I've already told you that, so I've got to get there. And so we're going to cover a large area of Scripture, but I'm going to move through it quickly. You can go back and read the story, um, but just a, a really quick backstory. So, uh, the book of Nehemiah takes place uh, after uh, they have come in and they've sacked Jerusalem, right? And so these people have been in exile for several years. They came in and this place was in ruins, right? And so Nehemiah, this is he's, uh, he's the king's cupbearer. And he's he's got this burden on his life, and he's just like, man, I really want something to change, you know? Because he asks, hey, how are the people doing? And it's like, it's not good, man. Uh, it's not good. The city's ransacked. Is is not rebuilding. And so he's got this burden. And so Nehemiah's like, you know what I want to do? I, I I want to do something for the Lord, right? I really want to do something for God. It's the same boat that we're in. So if you have a list of plans or goals or whatever you have, just pick one off the list. I might I wanted to take some time and maybe ask you guys to like share some of them. If you want to do that later, you can, but we don't really have time. Um, but you can have a ton of them. I can give you just a couple of them off the top of uh, Paige and I's list, and we haven't even completed ours, com- uh, completed it completely. But just some things to think about. So, you know, you have personal goals that you want to, you know, maybe be in better shape. You have uh, goals uh, for the ministry. I, I kind of broke these down, but, you know, I've got goals for even the Passpoint class um, to... Um, not only grow it in size, because it's not really so much about numbers, but grow it in depth, like I was praying before. I want you guys to be deeper in the Word. Uh, I've got goal, you know, paid one of Paige's goals, and it kind of just caught me off guard, but it's just like, you know, we used to, to lead the London prayer team, and we're really close with Brian and Mindy Clark, and it's like, why don't we try to get this thing going again? And it was our fault that it that it failed in the first place, and those are just goals that you can have. You know, there's, there's family goals. I want to do more things with uh, my kids. I want to, you know, do more, I want to be more intentional with my wife. These are all goals that you have. So they all sound great, right? 
So how do you make it happen? And so that's the whole point, is pick something that's on your list. Uh, I, I personally want to be more diligent to the Word of God. You know, Paige texted some of the ladies and you know about a reading plan, and you know, there's different things that you can do. Anyway, all those different things. The point is, how do you make it happen? Right? And so how, you've got this plan. This is what I want to do. How do you make it happen? So that's the whole point. So Nehemiah chapter 1, uh, your, your first step to a biblical plan is a burden. Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, The words of Nehemiah the son of uh, Hekaliah, uh, and it came to pass in the month of Cheslu in the 20th year that I was in Shushan, the palace, Right, um, and Han and I, one of my brethren, came. Uh, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. So I kind of gave you the backstory of what was going on. He's like, so I just asked, what was going on with these guys? And they said unto me, the remnant. Now I've told you when we were in Romans that word remnant is really important in your Bible. So go back and listen to that, and we'll get more into that as we get into Romans chapter ten coming up. Next week, hopefully. but And the remnant, those who are left, that are left in the captivity uh, there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. And the wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Right? The first step to a biblical plan right, or a plan in your life, this first step to, to anything, and this would, be go, this would go back you know, prior to having the plan and maybe you need to circle back around and make sure what you have is a, is a burden. And, but anyway, uh, is you have to have a burden. There has to be something that's just like that you want to make a change, right? When I bend over and I'm like, I can't really breathe that well when I'm tying my shoes, I'm like, there's a burden here to get rid of some of this gut. So like, when I'm when I'm working and I'm like climbing up and down the sidewalk, building a pole barn, we just got done with it. And it's like, I shouldn't be out of breath. And it's like, I've, I've got a burden to change something here, right? Whatever it is. And so it has to start with a burden. Nehemiah's like, man, this is messed up. It shouldn't be like this. And what's he do? He's, he's like grieving at his core about it. He's like, you know, he, he says he's, he's uh, he heard these things, he sat down and he wept, right? And he mourned certain days and fasted, all these different things. So here's the question that goes along with the burden. because So I can give you the steps to a biblical plan. You'd be like, yeah, that sounds great. Okay, these are personal questions that you need to ask yourself as we go through this. Is this a desire in my life or a burden in my life? I desire a lot of things. Sometimes a really good cheeseburger, right? Um, I desire uh, to have good relationships. I desire for people to grow. I desire a lot of things, right? But a burden is something different than a desire. A burden is something that causes you to... Now, I know we're manly men, right? It causes you to weep. It causes you to come to a point of like, I, I don't know what to do here. You know, a desire, I'm like, okay, this is what I want. This is how I'm going to get it, right? Because that's what we do. A burden is something more than that. A burden is something that you have to come to terms of, okay, there's a reason that I don't have this. There's a reason something's going on. A burden is something much deeper than just a desire, right? I desire to have a good relationship with my wife, but am I burdened to have a deeper relationship with my wife? And I'm just trying to give you different examples as we go through this. It has to start with a burden. i got to keep moving. Pick it up in verse 5. The second step to a biblical plan is prayer. And I said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, uh, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and uh, keepeth 
covenant and mercy for them that love Him and observe His commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive, and let thy eyes be open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray uh, before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel, servant, uh, thy servants, uh, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee, and not kept thy commandments, nou the statutes, nor the judgments uh, which thou commandest, thou servants Moses. He's like, hey, it was our bad, but man, I'm, I'm broken about it. Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though they were uh, of you cast into the uttermost part of the heaven, yet I will gather uh, them uh, from thence and will bring them into the place which I have uh, chosen to set my name. Now these are thy servants and thy power whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power uh, and by the strong hand. Verse 11, O Lord, I beseech thee, let now mine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to thy prayer uh, and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear the name thy name and prosper. I pray thee thy servant this day and grant him mercy in the sight of the man for I was a king's cupbearer. Nehemiah is like, I'm broken about this. There's a reason that we were cast out in the first place, and there's a reason we haven't been built back up. And if nobody else is going to say it, I guess I'll be the one to say it, right? You ever been in the room, and it's like, you know, we all see the elephant in the room. Well, sometimes somebody's got to be the one to point it out. And, you know, Nehemiah's like, hey, uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one, but I'll be the one to say it. But we messed up, and uh, we are definitely in the wrong here. Things aren't good. The point here is... That's loud. The point here is the fact that he went to God, right? He's got this burden, and he's not like, hey, okay, I'm going to go do something about it. That's the first thing he does. If you've got a plan that you want to implement, if you want to change something in your life, and you've got this burden, man, you better bring it to the Lord and make sure He's on track with it. You better make sure that He is good with what you're saying, right? Uh, you might say, I want a deeper relationship with my uh, my kids, and He might say, you know what you need to do first? Uh, invest in your spouse or, or whatever else. You don't ever know. So you want to make sure that this burden that you have is God's burden as well. That's the whole point. You think that God wasn't burdened about the, the children of Israel having to be basically destroyed other than the remnant that was left? Yeah, God was broken about it and He was ready for somebody to stand up. And that's what He was doing. The, the, the second step in the biblical plan is prayer. Here's your question. Have I taken my burden to the Lord? Right? Have I taken... So I've got this burden. I really want to see a change here. And it's not just I want to see a change, but man, I'm broken. Have I taken it to the Lord? We wrote down these plans or these, these goals that we have. Did you take any of them to the Lord? Right? And that's the question. Have I taken it to the Lord? Moving on. I'm like, There's a ton I could say, but I really do want to try to get through this. Moving on. Fast forward to chapter 2. So you've got this burden, right? And you've taken it to the Lord in prayer. So what's the next thing you need to do? You've got to verbalize this thing. That's number three. You've got to verbalize it. Chapter 3, verse 1, And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of Artaxerxes and the king, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. So Nehemiah's job was basically to bring the king his stuff, right? His, his cup. That's, that was his, his job. Tough job, right? But that's what he does. Um, and 
there's more that goes into it. Generally, the cupbearer has to taste the drink first to make sure nobody's trying to poison the king. You know, so anyway, there's there's just always something. But anyway, we'll go into that some other time. Uh, and I gave it to the king. Now I'd never been before. I'm sad in his presence. So he's really broken about this thing. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing that thou art not sick? He's like, there ain't nothing wrong with you. What's wrong with you, right? Uh, is there nothing else but sorrow of heart? Then I was very sore afraid. Right? Because the king had nothing to do with the Jews. He could have been like, I don't really care. You're basically a slave at this point. And I said unto the king, let the king live forever. That's generally a wise thing to say when you're terrified of what might happen. Why should my countenance... Uh, why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchres, lieth waste and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? The king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? So I prayed unto God, uh, the God of heaven. Right? And he goes on. So I'm going to kind of start paraphrasing some of this. So he goes on. He's like, I prayed again. And I'm like, God, here we go, because I'm kind of already into this. You ever got one foot in the door and it's like, I can't stop now? Um, so he's like, Here's my request. I really would like to. Uh, you know, take a leave of absence here. It's not the words that he uses, but uh, I'd like to go down uh, to Jerusalem and try to rebuild the walls of the city of my people. Uh, and well, since I'm asking, and since you're the king and you've got all the resources, any chance you'd want to write like a letter to the guys in the the lumber yard down the road and have them give me the the lumber to do it? And then also, you know, the the guys down at the uh, the rock quarry, so I'd have the rock to do it. You know, obviously those aren't the words, but he says, you know, to the he, he talks about getting the beams made and the stones made. And so he's like, if I'm going to ask, I might as well, you know, the Bible says you have not because you ask not. I'm not. Would you help me out here, King? And so basically that, that's kind of how the story plays out. Go back and read it. It's really interesting the way this whole thing plays out. But the third step in a biblical plan is you have to verbalize this thing. I can have a really good plan up here, but if I don't ever verbalize it, man, it doesn't ever really come to fruition. You've got to have, you've got to verbalize what's going on. So here's your question, because this is where it really starts... Uh, I don't know. This is where I don't do so well. Have I told those close to me what I think God's leading me to do? Have I told those close to me what I think God's leading me to do? Let me just tell you a quick uh, story of how things roll out in my life. And my wife's going to just nod her head. because. So, I'm in the Word. God's showing me something. and uh, I'm a, You could ask my wife. I'm an internal processor. Like I'm not a get mad and yell kind of guy. I'm not a... Like outwardly express, you know, I just, I, I'm not like that. And so, if I feel like, you know, there's an issue or a problem, even when, like, there may be a problem in, uh, in life, you know, we, we, we see the problem, but I have to, like, internally process it. It just, it just takes me time. And so, the problem I have is I process it and it takes days sometimes, and then it's like, okay, so this is kind of the solution. I get it from the Word of God. And then I'm like, okay, cool. And I'm on about my way. Right? Uh, or God gives me this plan, and I'm like, so hey guys, write down these plans. And, and so I write them down, and I'm like, okay, cool. At some point, maybe I ought to tell those who are close to me, right? What God's telling me, right? If God, if you've got a burden in your life that is so much so that it's a burden, right? And you've taken it to the Lord, and you're ready to do something about it, you think maybe you ought to verbalize this thing, right? You don't just show up one day and be like, oh yeah, by the way, babe, uh, you going to put the house on the market because we're moving. What? Right? you got to verbalize some things. Hey, uh, did you know? Like, sometimes, sometimes you're the last to know because we don't verbalize very well. And that's just me. That's, that's one of my biggest downfalls because I process things internally so much. 
some people are outward processors and they get angry or whatever and you know exactly how they feel about it at that moment, right? And I tend to try not to be that way, but instead I fail on the other end because I fail on the other end because I don't verbalize, right, what needs to be said or what, what the plan is. So that really is one that maybe it hits you close to home, maybe it doesn't, but have I told those close to me what I think God's leading me to do? Fast forward, verse uh, or number four. This is the fourth step to a biblical plan is you have to evaluate. So anyway, the king's like, yeah, dude, go. If it's going to make you happy, because I can't really be around you if you're going to be all sad all the time, so go and do your thing. So he sends him off. He goes to Jerusalem. Uh, fast forward uh, chapter 2 and verse uh, 12. That's not right. Because I'm in chapter. Wait, I, yeah, it's right. I'm wrong. My Bible turned its page all on its own. Here we go. Verse 12, chapter 2 and verse 12. And I arose in the night. So he gets to Jerusalem. All right, so verse 11. So I came to Jerusalem and I was there three days. So he goes, he's got the letters to give to the people, like, hey, you're going to give me this stuff. That I rose in the night. I and a few men with me. Neither told I any man what my God had put my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me save the beast that I rode upon. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the uh, dragon well, uh, into the the dung port and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. Then uh, I went on to the gate of the fountain, to the king's pool, but there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. So basically this thing was so broken down that he couldn't even ride his horse or his donkey or whatever he was on. through this thing. Then I went up uh, in the night uh, by the brook and viewed the wall and turned back and entered the gate of the valley. Uh, and so I returned. And the rulers knew not whither I went or what I did, neither uh, had I uh, as yet told it to the Jews, nor to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest of them that did the work. Stop right there. He's got this burden. He takes it to the Lord. God's like, yeah, go. Right? Okay. Um, he verbalizes it to those who need to know. So now what? Now it's time to go and evaluate this thing. Go, like, let's go see what we've got to get done. I've got a burden, but what's it going to take to make it happen? Right? What's it going to take? He goes and he sees it. You've got these plans and you're like, okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be more diligent to be in the Word of God. Okay? So God's like, yeah, that's a really good idea. And so you know, you start telling people, you know what I'm going to do this year? I'm going to read through the Bible. Right? Okay, awesome. Okay, so at some point you've got to evaluate what's going to take. So it's going to take X amount of time every day, right? It's going to take some sacrifice or whatever. And I mean, come on, it's a few chapters a day, but anyway, I'm not getting into that. Uh, whatever, you evaluate what it's going to take. Whatever it is that you're looking at on your little plan list or your goal list or, you know, what is it going to take? It's going to take some sacrifice. You're evaluating what it's going to take. And here's your question. What's it going to take to make this happen in my life? What is it going to take to make this happen in my life? Whatever your goal is, and you can go down your list and apply these to everyone, but what is it going to take? Is it going to take getting out of bed 30 minutes earlier every day? Well, I'm out, right? Well, that's on you. Is it going to take whatever? Whatever your goal is, what is it going to take to make it happen? You've got God's blessing on it, so what's it going to take? It's going to take me being diligent, right? It's going to take me being sold out. It's going to take, okay, those are... we. I mean, those all sound really good, but that goes back to the good intentions thing, right? And you're like, okay, I already knew all these things. I'm trying to get to the end because there's something here that you got to have to kind of tie all this together. He evaluates what's going on. Number five, the fifth step to a biblical plan. So you've evaluated it. 
Now it's time to actually set the plan. Write it down, whatever. This is it. Verse 17 and 18. Then said I unto them, all the guys that are with him, all the people, you see the distress that we're in, how Jerusalem lieth in waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire? Come, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, and also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this thing, or for this good work. He already had God's blessing. He had the king's blessing. They just go out, gotten off of the mouth until he knew what the plan was going to be. He went, he saw what it was going to take, and he's like, okay, so this is what it's going to take. So now he tells the guys, hey, this is what we're going to do. And it's not just like, hey, this is what I want to do. Because if you go and you say, hey, this is what I want to do, everybody's like, how are you going to do that? No, he went about all the proper steps to get there. He had the king's blessing. He had God's blessing. right? He knew what it was going to take. So he said, hey, this is the plan. We're going to build these walls back up. But we're no more reproach. And they're like, hey, heck yeah. At least somebody's going to do it, right? He's ready. You have to set the plan. Here's your question. Have I revealed to those around me what I'm going to do? It's close to what I said before, but it's different. Have you told those who are close to you what you want to do? Okay, yeah, now you've told them what you want to do. Have I revealed to those what I'm going to do? It's one thing to say, you know what I want to do this year? I want to read through the Bible in six months. I want to read through the Bible in a year. It's different to say, I am going to do this, because now you've basically planted a post and said, I'm going to do this, and if I don't do this, now I'm not a man of my word. It's easy to say, I want to do this, or I hope I can do this. That's another thing to say, I will do this, because now if you don't, that's on you, right? It's not on the circumstances. If you want to do something, then it's easy to say, well, I couldn't because of this. When you say, I will, that's on you. It's completely different, right? Now you're taking a step of faith. You have to set the plan. Have I revealed to those around me what I'm going to do? Number six, you've got to do your part. And that's key because too often we try to do everyone else's part. Hey, you know what I want to do this year? I want to uh, spend more uh, family time. And then like, all I do is get on my wife's case because I'm like, you're not doing it. You're not doing it. You're... Okay, do your part. And I'm not saying my wife, my wife is... Like, you guys know, it's all good. But I'm just trying to give you an example. Too often, we're all about doing the next guy's part, or the next guy's part. I'm going to give you just a few verses, but the entire chapter in chapter 3 is these guys doing exactly it. It says, Then Eliashab, the high priest, rose up with his brother and his priest, and they builded the sheep gate and sanctified it, and made the doors of it, even the tower uh, of Meha, and they sanctified it under the tower of Mexico. And next unto them built the men of Jericho, and next unto them built Zechariah, uh, the son of Eram, or Imri, that the fish gate did some of the other guys build. And then it just keeps going. And like, hey, this part of the wall, these guys built. And this part of the wall, these guys built. And over here, these guys built their part. And over there, they built their part. And this is a really cool picture for ministry because, man, too often, we try to micromanage that thing. And it's like, hey, you need to do this, this, and this. Hey, you do you. Build the wall in front of you. Man, it would be a shame if we went around and made sure everybody else's parts of the wall were done and then you came back and yours is the one that somebody got through because you didn't build yours first. And what did God tell me to do? That's your question. You've got to do your part. That's the, that's the step. What did God tell me? Capital M, capital E. What did God tell me to do? 
Too often we're all caught up in what God told that person to do, or God told that person to do, or hey, are you doing your thing? Or hey, what are you doing over here? What did God tell me to do? God gave you a burden, right? And you've got a plan. You better do your part before you ever get caught up in what everybody else is doing. The entire chapter of chapter 3 is going through of these guys did their part, these guys did their part, these guys... You're never going to get your plan accomplished if you don't do your part first. And ministry is all muddled up because we get too caught up in what everybody else is doing. We don't do our part first. Right? You want to see Passpoint grow in 2020? Man, it better start with you inviting somebody and not saying, well, I wish these people would invite somebody. You want to see whatever it is, right? It's got to start with you doing your part. What did God tell me to do? Right? And that's the whole chapter. I don't have time to get into it. I'm telling you, go back and read the story. It's really cool. This is where it kind of gets... This is where the rubber starts to meet the road. Right in here. This is where the rubber meets the road. Number seven. You need to expect opposition. You need to expect opposition. Chapter 4, verse 1. But it came to pass that when Sanballat... Yeah, this guy's not a good dude. Heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth, and he took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, "What do these feeble, or, uh, what do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in, uh, in a day? Will they revive stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned?" Verse 3, Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him and said, Even they uh, which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. So these guys are like, what are they even trying to do? Oh, they're going to build the walls. These guys don't even, they they don't even know what they're doing. This is a joke, right? This is a joke. You tell, I hope it's not like this at your house, but you tell your spouse, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get more serious about it in the Word of God. And they're like, yeah, right. Right? I hope that's not the case. Right? You tell somebody in ministry, you know what I want to do? I'm going to get more serious about the Lord. No, you won't, right? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do whatever it is. And people are like, there ain't no way it's going to happen. right? You know what I'm saying. You need to expect opposition. If you're going to have a plan, there will be opposition. I promise you, there will be opposition. I'm going to read through the Word. There will be opposition. right? I'm going to get involved in ministry. There will be opposition. Whatever it is, whatever your goal, your plan, your, your, your resolution, whatever, there will be opposition. Right? Man, I really want to lose some weight. Man, there's going to be cheesecake everywhere. Or whatever it is for you. I'm telling you. Right? It's just, like, man, it's hard. Whatever it is, it's, it, there will be opposition. Here's your question. Am I prepared for the quote-unquote what if? Am I prepared for the quote-unquote what if? Because it's easy to say, I'm going to read through the Bible this year. Okay, we already know, what if the kids get sick? What if I get busy at work? What if you fill in the blank? You will not succeed in fulfilling your plan if you don't plan for the what if now. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. You won't. It absolutely won't happen. So, am I prepared for the what ifs? I'm telling you now, No matter what your goal is, your plan is, look at it, there will be opposition to it. Somehow, some way. Are you prepared for the what if? And if you haven't thought about the what if, you need to take some time to think about it because the what if will become a reality. Am I prepared for the what if? Number eight. 
the eighth step to a biblical plan. You have to press through the hard times. So you knew that there was opposition coming. Now what are you going to do to press through it? Pick up in verse 4. Hear, O God, this is uh, Nehemiah's uh, reaction to what these guys were saying. Oh, uh, uh, for we are despised, and uh, turn their reproach upon their own head, and give them a prey for the land of captivity, and cover not their iniquity, and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee, uh, for they have provoked thee to anger before uh, the builders. So we built the wall, and all the wall was joined together uh, into the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. It goes on in verse 7, But it came to pass that when Sambalat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Adidites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped. They began. To, uh, they were very wroth and they conspired all of them together uh, to come to fight against Jerusalem to hinder it. So basically these guys are like, okay, so they really are going to build this thing. We'll go stop it. And we're not just going to mock you because you think you're going to. When you actually start doing it, we're like, okay, we're going to go put a stop to this. So they actually go. They come up with this plan. You know what we're going to do? We're going to go and we're just going to knock it all down, right? We're just going to basically attack. That's their plan. And so you have to read the story to get it. But... You have to not only expect opposition, but you have to press through the hard times because there will be hard times that come. So you can plan for it, but when it actually comes, what are you going to do? Here's your question. What is my quote-unquote driving factor that will keep me going? What is it that it's like, no matter what, when it gets hard, you've got something to hold to? What is my driving factor that will keep me going? When I was going through HBI, I knew... There would be times that I would be like, you know what, I'm just done. I can't do this anymore. It's too much. I want to quit. I had a call. I knew. There were, there were times I went back. There were verses that I knew that God gave me when I signed up. That was like, I went back to these verses and I'm like, okay, so now if I bail, I'm basically disobedient because God told me to do this. Right? You hear stories of like a single mother and they say that you know, no matter what, no matter how hard it gets, uh, you know, the driving factor is you know, my kids. Or whatever, a single father, whatever it is. There's a driving factor. There's something that, like, no matter what happens, I'm going to keep going. Right? God's given you this burden. That better be your driving factor. Right? It's not just a want to, but it's a desire. Right? I really want to read through the Word this year. I really want to be more diligent about the Word or the ministry or whatever. Okay, your driving factor better be the fact that the God Himself, the God of the universe Himself, lives inside of you. And if you don't do it, you're being disobedient. And if that's not a driving factor on its own, whatever it is, and I'm, I'm just no matter what it is, there has to be a driving factor because there will you have to expect opposition because opposition will come. And when it does, what's going to be there to keep you moving? Right? These guys are going to come and they're going to just basically tear the walls down and put Nehemiah in his place and all his boys. Right? And what is it that's like? What is their driving factor? What is it that's going to keep them going no matter what? And I know I've only got two minutes left, and I'm probably going to go a couple minutes over, but this, this is where it, it all comes together. A biblical plan is great, right? We need one, right? Uh, uh, whatever it is, we've we got to have it. And they sound great, right? I've got these goals, and okay, so you've told me to expect it, but what, how do I make it happen, right? I've given you a lot. It's like, okay, yeah, those are all things I kind of knew. How do you, in the end, make it happen? How do I not give up when it's hard? How do I basically get past where I never have before? You know, I've made it to February before reading through the Bible, or I've made it through whatever, right? But how do you, just whatever it is, how do you make it happen? The ninth step to a biblical plan is to set up accountability. 
You have to set up accountability. In chapter 4, in verse 13, Nehemiah is like, here's, here's what we're going to do. And I'm, I'm not even going to read it. You can go back and read it. Verses 13 to 23. Um, he's like, okay, so some people heard about these guys' plan. They were going to come and basically ransack the wall and put them in their place. And Nehemiah is like, okay, so uh, guys, we gotta, you know, we got to do something here. we got to have somebody watch our back. So he's like, here's what we're going to do. Half of you... Uh, are going to basically be our warriors. You're going to stand over the guy who's building because he needs to focus on his work. It's really hard to build when I'm worried about getting shot. Not only have no guns, but at the same time, it's like they're kind of like the snipers. You know, you got to have somebody watching your back. He's like, hey, you guys stand here with swords and spears. That way, these guys can work on you know this. And so every guy that was working had somebody watching his back. And it, it kind of goes through that whole thing. He's like, here's, so here's what we're going to do. It might take us a little bit longer, but we're going to get it done this way. And so everybody who's doing the work has somebody that's watching over them. That's what accountability is. And accountability is somebody saying, when you fall or, or when you're so caught up in whatever, they're like, hey, so how's that reading going? Oh, yeah, well, I missed a couple days. Okay, well, guess what? A couple days by yourself turns into a couple weeks. A couple days when you've got some accountability makes you say, you know what, you're right. I said I was going to do this. And you get back on track. Right? Accountability says, you know what? There, there was a reason I was going to do this. Right? Accountability is having somebody there to watch your back when you don't see what's coming. And you might be like, you know what? I'm diligent. I'm not going to fail. Okay, these guys weren't not diligent about building the wall. But guess what? In the New Testament, Paul says something about the devil having fiery darts that are going to be shot at you, that you don't even know where they're coming from. And you need somebody watching your back. Because even though I know you're diligent and you're going to do what you say you're going to do, you don't know what the devil's going to throw at you. But some accountability helps with those things. Right? It's got somebody watching your six. It's got somebody that's taking that, that, that cares enough to be there. Right? And so it's good to have accountability, but man, you also need to be somebody else's accountability. Don't always be on the receiving end. Find somebody, right? We call, call them accountability partners or, or whatever else, right? So here's your question Who is holding me accountable to my plan? It's awesome to have a plan. Who's holding you accountable to it? Go back and read the story, kind of put it all together on your own because I had to fast forward through it. The point here is. We've all got really awesome plans and goals and all these different things. You, and I'm, I don't want you to feel like I'm telling you you can't, but I'm just telling you, you most likely will not follow through. You will not succeed because the what-ifs are going to come. The adversary will come. He will throw something in the middle of it. You have to have accountability. Accountability starts with simply asking, Hey, this is what I'm hoping to do. Go through this, man. I'm verbalizing it. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to do. Can you help me stay accountable? Right? Find somebody who wants to read through the Bible with you. Find somebody who wants to get in the ministry with you. Find somebody who wants to just whatever. No matter what it was that you're going through. Even on your personal list. Find somebody who wants to lose some weight with you. Find somebody who... Right? Any of those things. Man, you... You've got to have accountability. If you do not set up accountability, you don't have that in your life, it will fail every time. But if you have it, man, if you have it, you'll be able to do things that you never believed at the end of the day that you could. How often have you said, 
I can do this. And you thought in the back of your mind, there's no way this is going to happen. Right? We were... We got a new washing machine. Sorry. We got a new washing machine. This is, I'm done. Pages quit. I had to buy a new one. The boys were gone. We get the dryer set in place. The washing machine is substantially heavier than the dryer. Paige is like, I cannot lift this thing. She gets down. She's just like, I'm not standing up. So um, I'm like, okay, so let's get some... Let's like try to rock it up and set it on some stuff. And the whole time I'm thinking, I'm not really sure this is going to work. Right? How often in life do you think this is not really... It, it worked in the end. Right? Praise Jesus. Right? My wife only has like eight bruises on her legs from trying to pick this thing up. It's my fault. But the point is... Have accountability. Because you can tell yourself you want to do something all the day long. But do you really believe it's going to happen? Because if you believe it's going to happen, you'll set up accountability. If you just say, hey, I want to do this, but you don't set up accountability, you're providing yourself a backdoor exit for when the what if happens. Oh, well, you know, the kids got crazy, right? Or, you know, life got, you know, life-ish, right? Okay, well, if you had accountability, you would have set yourself up for success instead of failure. And... All of your plans, all of your goals, they're awesome if you do it biblically. But if you don't, man, it's just words. And so I hope you're encouraged because there is uh, light at the end of the tunnel if you choose for there to be. Um, We'll get back into the book of Romans next week. Um, So uh, with that, let's pray. Sorry I went over. Um, Father, I love you. I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for really just loving us. Lord, I pray you would just... uh, let these things just resonate in our heart, that you would just give us a mind to find the accountability we need to be the Christian you want us to be, uh, Lord, whether it's our, our spouse or our friends or, or whatever it is. Lord, I just do pray that uh, we would get on track and uh, really just uh, grow in you uh, this year, Lord. I do pray that you just speak through Pastor Brian as he uh, starts to reveal the, the vision of HBF for this year, and I pray that we would just be uh, really caught up in what you want us to do. Um, Lord, I pray you send us out this week as lights in a, a dark world, that you would get the honor and the glory from our lives, that we would continue to uh, just really shine uh, what you're doing in our lives and other people's. So, uh, Lord, I pray for uh, the Barnes family. Uh, again, Lord, as uh, they've got a uh, trying month ahead, I pray that you would just uh, give them the resilience to uh, just uh, stand fast in their faith and uh, be strong for what you've called them to do. Lord, I uh, also pray that uh, you would just... Uh, uh, there's so many things we went around at the beginning of the class, and you would just be uh, manifest in our lives, uh, Lord, and just uh, really um, be the ultimate healer uh, and the ultimate rock that we can just uh, find our firm foundation on. So, Lord, I pray you just uh, speak to us uh, in, in worship service today. In Christ's name, amen. All right.